Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. The views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. evening and welcome to this broadcast of Black Talk Radio News live with Scotty Reed as I broadcast from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. on this Thursday afternoon, August the 9th, 2018. It's just a little after 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern time here on the East Coast. I tell you, man, we've been dealing with a heat wave and one of the news stories that I want to share with you um, before we get into our main topic, uh, it, it's dealing with the extreme heat that prisoners are facing in different prisons across the nation. As I spoke to a mother today uh, whose son is in a Mississippi prison, and then I've been in contact with prisoners in South Carolina uh, who are complaining about the same thing. And then I was sent an email by someone about the extreme heat in some of the Texas prisons and people are dying from heat strokes. So I tell you, man, um, this heat ain't no joke. It's nothing to play with. So today, as you might tell from the title, I want to discuss for our main topic after I get to some of the news stories that I want to share with you. But my main topic today is the left's asinine defense of Alex Jones, a bigoted right-wing entertainer. And I put entertainer in quotes because that's what Alex Jones' attorney in his uh, divorce uh, court proceedings argued when his own wife said that she didn't want her children being exposed to the stuff that he puts out. And, you know, I guess he's having his children even watch his program. And she don't want her children indoctrinated with the garbage that he puts out. 
And so his defense was, through his attorney, was, hey, I'm just an entertainer. No logical person would believe anything I say. Well, America, the United States is not filled with logically thinking people. It's not. I mean, I was uh, looking at a story the other day that talked about how far behind in different educational categories like reading, reading comprehension, math, sciences, and, you know, the United States falls far behind many other developed nations. I mean, they're not even in the top 10. So that's what we'll be talking about today because I don't understand the reactionary behavior of some on the left who are basically, although they say they're not defending Alex Jones, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. So let's just call it like it is. You are basically defending Alex Jones's supposed right. Doesn't mean that he has a right, but you suppose he has a right to spread BS conspiracy theories to defame people, to spread religious bigotry, and engaged in a codified and sometimes uncodified form of racism, white supremacy. Is that really what you you want to defend? Your enemy's right to produce and distribute distribute propaganda against you, especially when your enemy would never do the same for you. Okay, in fact, the enemy is blaming you because he's losing access to different distribution points. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Now, I tend to try to look at things also through a military lens. And that's why I say we are living behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. Because there is a war out there. There are different forms or or different, um, how should I say this? There are different types of warfare that is being waged, different types of war campaigns that's being waged. The military doesn't just engage in dropping bombs and shooting people and and things of that nature. You know, I was a communications specialist when I was in the U.S. Army, and I don't say that with any kind of pride. I was a a young 20-year-old who was going through a lot of stuff in his life mentally and was wanting to escape uh, this little country town that I live in, this little rural area, and, and, and see the world. And also, you know, get some college money without going into debt. So, you know, I've made it no secret that if I had it to do over, I would have never joined the U.S. military. But I got that experience nonetheless, and I learned stuff. And so, you know, my my uh field in the US military was communications. And one of the things that the US military does is try to disrupt the enemy's ability to cu- communicate to troops in the field and to also spread propaganda to the masses, to the whatever population that the war is taking place in. It's called propaganda wars. You know, Alex Jones certainly understands this because one of his taglines is, there's a war on for your mind. So from his perspective, he's waging war. So what sense does it make for you to sit up here and advocate for your enemy to have operational ability to disseminate propaganda against you, 
to communicate with his troops in the field, how much sense does it make for those on the ideological left to make half-baked arguments in defense of Jones' supposed, again, I say supposed, because he don't have no free speech rights on private platforms, you know? And as a person who manages a media platform, I have banned people in the past. You know, we are responsible for what goes out over these airwaves. And I've had people tell me that they wanted to come on Black Talk Radio and do a program to help black people. And then after they get comfortable after a while, next thing I know, they on some anti-black stuff. And no, you get the boot. You get booted off because you don't have no free speech rights on Black Talk Radio. You don't have the freedom to come on here and spread anti-black, anti-African ideology over our airways, you know. And and so uh, free speech don't apply to non-governmental entities. The First Amendment does not apply to non-governmental entities. But I'm, I'm just scratching my head at people that I think are pretty intelligent but seem to be dumb when it comes to this issue. No way you should be advocating for your enemy to be able to disseminate his propaganda against you. And, you know, I came across a couple of articles. Some were shared with me, and we'll go over those articles. But before I do that, I do got some uh, news stories, some quick news stories to share with you. Um, But before I get to those news stories, please continue to support our nonprofit Black Talk Media Project, which manages the Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, We give classes on new media technology. Actually, I was contacted again today by Brother Malefi, uh, who wants me to come down to Greenville, South Carolina, to to, uh, Chronic, which is the Carolina's Human Rights Conference. I probably didn't say that right, but it's a human rights conference. Last year, myself and Max Parthis went down and I gave a class on new media technology and the power of media because, again, we were founded based off a video I saw of Malcolm X talking about the power of media, saying that media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. So I say again, why would you be arguing or advocating for your enemy to be able to expand his media operations? So please continue to support Black Talk Media Project. And uh, we do have btrcommunity.com, or you can also reach it by going to community.blacktalkradionetwork.com. It's a social media platform that we set up two years ago after listeners told us we need our own Facebook. You know, Facebook's kind of anti-black. They be banning black people and what have you. And I I do have a story to share about that in the context of speaking about Alex Jones, where this Huffington Post writer in an article that was shared with me by Brother Otis, where they were talking about how these platforms have marginalized and outright banned black voices and whatnot. But we're going to be on here advocating for them to give voice to white suspected racists? That's insane. That makes no sense whatsoever. No way you should be arguing for your enemy. All right? 
Oh, also shout out to our new BTR community member, uh, Rip. Rip was just added today. Uh, it is a social media platform. It's just $24 a year. That is how we fund our operations instead of relying on advertisers on YouTube. And because, and you know, just the other day I was hearing some leftists that, again, I, I, I think they're very intelligent. They make good arguments on the issues, but even they were advocating for Alex Jones with some half-baked arguments about free speech. But they were also complaining about their channels being demonetized. Now, I'm saying, now I listen to you. I subscribe to your channel. And not that I'm trying to tell you how to speak, but they might have demonetized you or the advertisers don't want to advertise because you're cussing every other word. You're using vulgar language on your channel. Maybe those advertisers don't want to be associated with your channel because of your language, your vulgar language, not your ideology, but the fact that you can't seem to communicate without a cuss word every three words or four words or five words you cussing. Alright? But then, you rail against the evils of capitalism. How much sense do it make for you then to be complaining that you've been shut out of the capitalistic YouTube model or Google model. That's kind of, you kind of contradicting yourself. Okay. And so, you know, we, when we started this, we knew we weren't going to get mainstream support. And that is why we incorporated as a nonprofit, a nonprofit media organization. And one of the ways that we fund our operations and pay for the things that we need to pay for is BTR community. You can either make an outright donation, all donations of any amount is, is surely welcome. But we also set up a social media platform that is black friendly. It's African friendly. So when they throw you in Facebook jail, you got somewhere to come to. All right, so that's one of the ways we help fund ourselves without relying on our enemies to fund us because that just don't make no sense. Why would your enemy give you money to talk against him? That that don't make sense on any level. All right, so uh, welcome to the new members of BTR community. Um, I hope that you enjoy yourself as we are able to raise more funds, we will actually be able to improve that platform and add some of the features that are popular on Facebook. But, you know, we can't do that unless we have the financial support. All right. So let me jump to some of these stories. Oh, I I forgot to give out the phone number. If you have a question or comment related to today's topic or any of these news stories I'm about to share, please get in quick. Um, while I'm on the news story, uh, just call 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. Hit star star, and we'll see you on the board. Just please watch your background noise. So let's get to some of the um, news of the day before I get into our main topic. Uh, Again, our main topic today is the left's asinine defense of Alex Jones, a bigoted right-wing entertainer. All right, so here are some news articles that I wanted to quickly share with you. Now, I came across this disgusting article today by a former prison slave who is now getting grants and giving awards 
for writing, for being a journalist or what have you. And she penned a piece. Her name is Chandra Belzelko. She is a white woman. Just want to make note of, note of that. And she is getting funded. I looked up her bio and whatnot, but she published an op-ed piece that was featured in a major newspaper, the LA Times. The title of this article is Think Prison Labor is a Form of Slavery. Think Again. I found this article to be very, very disgusting. It was actually published in 2017, but I came across it while I was uh, researching something else, and it needs to be addressed. Um, so let me just share some of this uh, this ridiculous propaganda this former prison slave uh, put out. She says, when a prison inmate prays for release from her cell, prison industries can be her first salvation. I couldn't wait to head to work in the kitchen of the maximum security women's prison in Connecticut, where I did six years for identity theft and related crimes. I was paid 75 cents to a dollar 75 a day to make and serve a lot of casserole. Yet, I consider most of the criticism lobbed at prison labor that it's a form of slavery, a capitalist horror show, unfair and even counterproductive in the effort to reform the justice system. Among the firefighters on California's fire lines this fall, 30% to 40% are inmates paid $1 an hour to work side by side with crews making a lot more money. Some inmate firefighters have gone on the record saying they feel the same way I do about prison jobs. It's people on the outside who rail against prison work assignments, particularly hiring prisoners to fight fires. And I'm not going to share the rest of the propaganda with you. Um, it is posted uh, for the BTR News Stories on my BTR community profile for today's program, the post for today's program. It's a number of stories under the uh, post. But first of all, she's wrong when she says that most of those complaining are those on the outside. For those who are familiar with Black Talk Radio Network, you know that for six years, we're in our seventh year, we have been broadcasting a weekly radio show called New Abolitionist Radio, focusing on the 13th Amendment, which allows for slavery and involuntary servitude as punishment for crime. Okay, so it doesn't matter what this former prison slave thinks is slavery or not. The Constitution of the United States, the supreme so-called law of the land, says it's slavery. So it's not a matter of opinion it's a matter of fact. And her assertion that only those on the outside, no, I've never been in prison. I've had family members that have served time in prison. At least one of them I know was wrongfully convicted, and that was my young my uh my youngest brother. Wrongfully com- convicted for breaking and entering with and they convicted him with an all-white jury, a white judge, and no evidence. No evidence whatsoever and I'm not exaggerating no recovered stolen property nothing okay but yeah no I haven't been in in prison slavery 
but I know that I can wind up there at any given moment. Okay, so why should I wait till I'm in prison before I start uh, advocating against slavery through the prisons? Why? But for those who have listened to New Abolitionist Radio over the years, you know that we are part of a coalition that includes prisoners. You have heard people in prison, especially from the Free Alabama Movement, which is a prison organization started in the prison and you've heard some of their leaders call in to new abolitionist radio right here on the black talk radio network so she's lying when she says it's only people on the outside that's that's calling it slavery or or is is you know fighting against it or whatnot she's she's telling a bald face lie I just talked about yesterday, last night rather, on New Abolitionist Radio about the August 21st prison work strike. I don't work in a prison. And it's not a strike by plantation overseers. It's not a strike by plantation guards. It's a strike by the prisoners themselves. And I talked about how some of the prisoners, um, based off of information I got from the inside, that some of the prisoners are threatening those prisoners who want to participate in the August 21st uh, strike this month, prison work strike, nationwide prison work strike. So she's wrong. She's wrong on, on that account. And she's wrong in saying that it's not slavery because again, the Constitution says differently. So I'll just I'll leave that there. Okay. And and one more thing though. Some of these prisoners do want to get out of their cages. So I can't blame them for putting their lives on the line. I wouldn't do it, but I'm not gonna criticize them. They're the victims. I'm not gonna criticize them because they get special privileges if they risk their lives to go fight fires in California and what have you beside people that get paid sometimes six figures. You know, at least I'm, I'm sure in the minimum 30000 a year or something like that. And then you're going to pay this person $1.75 a day and you send them to this special camp for prisoner firefighters where they have more access to their families. They can interact with their families in a non-prison-like setting, you know, outside of the prison, in a prison camp, nonetheless. So I'm not, I'm not, uh, it, it comes to no surprise that some of them want to do work so they can get out of their cages. But guess what? It's still slavery. It's still slavery. All right? So I, I don't know where she's coming from on that. I suspect that she's paid to try to minimize this new abolitionist movement. All right, so um, next article. This article comes to you from theroot.com. Um, in the past, I have talked about behind these enemy lines, you should be armed, okay? You should be armed. That is how, you know, the so-called civil rights movement was won, was won by the gun. There's been books written about that. That is the only way we were not, our population wasn't totally decimated like 
the Native Americans population was decimated because after the Civil War, we kept our guns and we protected ourselves from racist terrorists with guns. So I've always been pro-Second Amendment, not that I need somebody to give me permission for to have a firearm, but I've always been pro-Second Amendment for defense of the community, for defense of myself, and defense of my my home, my family, and what have you. So, we've talked about how some of these racist suspects probably wouldn't act the way that they act if they saw you open carrying your firearm on your side. So, we have this racist Minnesota couple, and this is a very disturbing story because this the woman who is involved in attacking this black man. I mean, they tried to kill him. She looks black. She looks like a light-skinned black person. I would not doubt if she has a black parent. Okay, but skin color don't matter. All of that don't matter. It's the content of your character. She probably was was raised by a racist white person um, in her family, and, and now she identifies as a racist white person or whatnot, but she clearly looks like a light-skinned black woman who may be, may not be, um, um, may not be black. So anyway, a St. Cloud, Minnesota couple was facing multiple charges after they allegedly assaulted a black man, hurled racial slurs at him, and then threatened to run him over with their truck. Again, this happened in St. Cloud, Minnesota. The brutal attack occurred on Monday when the man went to the home of Aaron Charles Stevens to pick up a fan. So I don't know if they were selling stuff online or or why this man was going to this racist white man's house to pick up a fan. That's the only thing that makes sense to me is that they saw something for sale online and they wanted to purchase it, so they went there. Stevens then apparently started attacking the man, coming out his home and yelling at the man to get off of his property, calling him racial slurs, including nigger, and hurling other verbal abuses, KNSI radio reports. Stevens, who is 58 years old, allegedly broke a beer bottle and threw it at the man, striking an unidentified victim in the face and cutting him. He also charged at the victim with a large tie strap with metal hooks, something used to tie stuff down for those that don't know what a tie strap is. The man acknowledged that he grabbed a hammer, hoping to defend himself, but was hit in the face by the metal hook. See, he didn't have a firearm to defend himself. He moving behind the enemy lines, without the ability to defend himself. So, you know, I guess he saw a hammer and grabbed a hammer to try to defend himself. As the two continued to scuffle, Stevens pinned the man on the ground before calling for his girlfriend. Again, if you look at this woman's picture, the article is posted in btrcommunity.com. It was published on theroot.com. She looks black to me. I would have never thought she was white. And she could be black. Who knows? Maybe just brainwashed. I don't know. Um, as to continue to, the two continue to scuffle, um, it talked about he called his girlfriend, 41-year-old uh, Myrna Angelica Alanis, to ran, run the man over with their truck. Witness, witnesses 
claimed that Alanis backed the truck up, revved the engine as the man was on the ground. Eventually, the man managed to escape even as Stevens chased after him with an axe. With an axe, y'all. With an axe. See, at that point, I would have been standing my ground and pumped a couple of rounds into this into this duel. All right. To top this all off, Stevens is all loud and proud in his racism, admitting to police that he did attack the man, called them names, and held them down as the truck approached his head. Stevens also told police that he's prejudiced and uses the word nigger to describe people. I mean, I don't know, y'all. I, I really don't know. Can we blame this on Trump? Has Trump really emboldened these racist white people so much that they are willing to admit to police, yeah, I'm a racist, I'm prejudiced, I call people niggas all the time. And yeah, I attacked him. He admitted, he admitted to all of this. So in the article, it does not cite what charges these people are facing. Okay, yes it does. I had to scroll down a little bit. Oh yeah, and his girlfriend admitted to getting in the truck uh, like she was going to run him over, but she claimed all she was doing was revving the engine and was never going to run him over. So it says, Stevens is facing charges of three counts of second degree assault with a weapon with his bond set at $300,000 while Alanis is being charged with one count of second degree assault and being held on $100,000 bond. We And this comes from the assistant Stearns County attorney, Kyle Triggs, said that we are taking into consideration the race-motivated aspect of this crime with respect to sentencing. That could play a role in increasing the sentencing depending upon the court and the jury. However, as the Times notes, Assaults motivated by any sort of bias fall under fourth degree assault, which means up to only a year in imprisonment and a $3,000 fine. It is basically a gross misdemeanor. And the attorney, the district attorney assistant said, ironically, if we instead went with the fourth degree bias assault charge, it would be less of a punishment than the charges we filed. But what about what about attempted murder charges? That's what it sounds like. They attempted to kill this man. That's what it, you know, to me, the appropriate charge would be attempted murder. They fully intended to kill this man. But again, we live in a racist system that, that, basically gives a slap on the wrist to these white racist terrorists. So I'm not surprised whatsoever. And I tried to find this story. There's a story I came across. I don't know if y'all heard this story that happened in Texas. You had these Congolese immigrants who came here to the United States. Apparently in, in the Fort Worth, Dallas area, there's a large uh, community of immigrants from the Congo who were fleeing that war-torn region. You know how long they've been fighting in the, in the Congo and all the horror stories we've he heard about that, um, you know, um, military engagement over there. So 
this man's nine-year-old daughter was walking where this white man approached her and asked her for some help. Now, the white man, when she got close to the white man, he choked her. He choked her so hard that she that her organs started failing. Her organs did fail. She had heart damage and she had kidney damage. Nine-year-old child. He then strangled her, not choked her. He strangled this child. This child almost died. This child just recently got a heart transplant. Do you know that what I can't remember what they charged him with? I think it was something like gross injury to a child. I looked that up for the state of Texas. It's a misdemeanor. How are you going to strangle a nine-year-old child to the point that this that you damage that person's that child's organs that they need organ transplants and you gonna get only misdemeanor charges now the charge can carry up from a one year to 99 year sentence but this is my thing when it comes to non-white people and the police and these district attorneys they stack the charges on us they pile so many charges on you so that you will be so afraid of all of these different charges stemming from the same incident that you will plea bargain. That We've talked about it a lot on New Abolitionist Radio. The practice is known as stacking charges. They didn't stack the charges on this white man. Again, that's attempted murder. You strangle somebody to the point that they have organ failure? How is that not attempted murder? There's no logical explanation you can give me to say that his charges fit the crime. Because it's basically just a misdemeanor. So they're not stark, stacking charges on these racist terrorists who are murderers and attempted murderers, but they surely will stack the charges on some poor uh, black or Hispanic person who might have, who might be a crackhead and have one rock and then they charge you with a whole bunch of charges like uh, uh, possession of a controlled substance, uh, manufacture of drugs with intent to destroy. I mean, they'll just stack all kind of charges. Don't let you be on somebody on your own property. Then it'll be like maintaining a dwelling to, to distribute illegal drugs. I mean, they will stack the charges on you. This is outrageous that these white terrorists are only getting what amounts to misdemeanor charges for attempted murder. So just very, very disgusting. And this is why we, we have to conduct ourselves like we live behind enemy lines because we do. Okay. We do. Here is a story that comes out of New York. This is, um, potentially some good news, you know, over the years, we have reported stories about wrongful convictions, and one um, detective's name, Louis Scarcella, comes up a lot. I mean, this dude probably is responsible for hundreds of people uh, being wrongfully convicted for manufacturing charges and what have you. But we've also talked about prosecutorial misconduct. Actually, on New Abolitionist Radio last night, I shared 
an article from a very unlikely source, Michelle Malcolm, about Oklahoma's um, terrible record of wrongful convictions, which includes prosecutorial misconduct, as she included that, um, you know, just all kind of mi- misconduct throughout the entire system. It was a very detailed uh, article. Now, here is a bill that is being deemed historic by The Intercept. This comes to you from TheIntercept.com. A historic bill in New York could create first-of-its-kind accountability for prosecutors if Andrew Cuomo doesn't veto it. There is a humanitarian crisis unfolding on our borders in which thousands of immigrant children, including infants and toddlers, have been forcefully taken from their parents and sent away with strangers. But another crisis, where families are also separated, is hanging over American life. Mass incarceration. Again, you know, I understand that's a popular term, but let's call it what it is. It's slavery. Because 40 million black people ain't in prison, however many Hispanics it is, ain't in prison. So the masses ain't in prison. There's a good amount of us in prison. They in prison, um, the United States that is, imprisons more people than any nation on the face of the earth. But it's, it's, I, I don't think it's accurate. It's an accurate term. I'm calling it a metaphor for slavery. And we shouldn't use metaphors, but I digress. Now, though, one of the most important pieces of criminal justice reform legislation is on the cusp of becoming law in New York. As it stands, the bill is one signature away, Governor Andrew Cuomo's, from being put on the books. Every day we hear about horrible cases in which men and women, often black men and women, are being set free from prison after serving huge chunks of their lives for crimes they didn't commit. Sometimes they have served 30 or 40 years behind bars. Frequently, prosecutorial misconduct misconduct was the cause of the wrongful conviction. It could be that exonerating evidence was deliberately withheld or confessions of guilt from an entirely different person were disregarded. Maybe credible, verifiable alibis were ignored. In some cases, DNA evidence was shelved and ignored. All this because America's prosecutors are so hell-bent on closing cases and getting guilty verdicts that they will often get them by any means necessary. I, I, I just had a thought pop into my mind. I was interviewing a former victor, victim of slavery from Texas. This was on New Abolitionist Radio. He now, um, uh, this former victim of slavery now runs sort of like a detective agency that uh, helps to free those wrongfully convicted. But he quoted, he told us what this one Dallas prosecutor said. This one Dallas prosecutor said that he doesn't consider you to be a good attorney unless you can convict the innocent. This is the person who wrongfully convicted him. All right. And and again, all of these cases come up and never do these prosecutors face charges. Never, never held accountable. So what, what, why would they not set up people, especially if they're a bunch of racists and what have you? So anyway, let me jump ahead because I want to get to the bill itself. It says in New York, 
though political bodies are finally pushing for some accountability as of last week the state assembly and senate have now each passed a bill the first of its kind in the nation forming an independent commission with full subpoena power to investigate prosecutorial misconduct it's wild that nothing like this already exists but that gets to the heart of the matter America's prosecutors have been able to consistently awful with I don't understand why that's in there with little to no formal binding oversight. Nearly 18 months passed between the bill's introduction and its passage in both chambers of the state legislature. And now it's awaiting Cuomo's signature. The issue is so dire that Human Rights Watch wrote an open letter to the governor in support of the bill. New York currently has no effective system in place to hold prosecutors who violate their legal and ethical duties accountable, the New York-based group said in its letter. Well, what about violating the human rights? Human Rights Watch? What about violating the human rights of these human beings that they are getting wrongful convictions on to throw them into slavery? What what about that? Yeah, their legal and ethical duties, but hey, the system is legal, but it is not by no means ethical. How can you can't claim an ethical system that still legalizes slavery? It's in the Constitution. Read the Thirteenth Amendment. Anyway, I will make a note to do some follow up on this story because of as right now, uh, Cuomo has still not signed this bill into law. And I'm, I'm going to have to get a little more information because so what if a so-called oversight board has subpoena power and whatnot? What about criminal charges? There's got to be some criminal charges that you could put on people. I, you know, Let's go back to the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which made it a federal crime to discriminate against people. Again, these prosecutors can get creative when they want to and charge you with all kind of stuff that ain't even related just to try to get a plea agreement. So I'm I'm sure, no, I'm not sure. Let me restate that. I would hope that there are laws on the books that you can charge someone. I mean, you're lying to the court. You're perjuring yourself in the court. How many times have we seen people get prison sentences for perjury? Certainly submitting false evidence is perjury, right? That's a sort of perjury. You're entering it into the court record. You also have to sign an affidavit or a motion stating, you know, that this is true and all this and that. I've had a little experience in court handling my own custody case. So, so yeah, let me move on to the next story. Um, This story I talked yesterday, I wanted that this story was actually sent to me about two weeks ago, and I have shared it on our social media accounts, but this is dealing with Texas prisons, um, deadly extreme heat and deliberate indifference inside Texas prison, the culture of neglect and abuse continues. So the person who sent me the email told me about the extreme heat and, you know, shared this article excuse me, share this article with me yesterday. So I was talking to Dwayne Hickerson's 
mother yesterday on the phone. No, was that yesterday or was that today? That was earlier today I spoke to her on the phone. And so I was asking her how Dewanye was doing. That's her son who's locked up in Mississippi. And she was telling me that they don't have any AC in that prison said that the heat is getting up to 125 degrees inside the prison. They're waking up hot. They're going to bed hot. They're going through the whole day burning up in this hot box. Okay. And she said that she said to her son, well, why don't you buy a fan? And and, and I was like, wait a minute, they selling fans in prison? And he told his mother that, hey, I have two fans. But mom, it ain't doing nothing but blowing hot air because that's all it would blow. Uh, it's just going to circulate the air that's in the room. It's not like, you know, you can stick it into an open window. And if it's a hundred degrees outside anyway, then it, all it's going to do is pump in that hundred degree heat in into the facility or into your cell or whatnot. But I'm sure that they don't are, are not able to open a window and stick a fan in it as we would do on the outside. So it's just pushing hot. He said he got two fans. And then I'm thinking, I wonder if they got that AC off on purpose as some kind of scam to make some money to sell inmates fans and what have you. So this is not just happening in the state of Texas. I got a first-hand report, well, I should say second-hand, because uh, it was his mother who was relaying the information to me. Um, but this this is happening all too often. Again, as I stated last night, don't care what you're in prison for, and most people in prison shouldn't even be in prison. And I'm not just talking about wrongful convictions, but I'm talking about nonviolent victimless crimes. That makes up the majority of prison populations. Okay? But... I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought as I was reading some of this some of this article. But oh oh yeah. These people, I don't care what you're in there for. You're a human being. They are human beings. And they have human rights. And I would even say, as American citizens, they have constitutional rights. That's cruel and unusual punishment. And as she stated to me. And my contact in the South Carolina prison stated to me, people are dying. People are dying from this extreme heat. They're having heat strokes. especially. And then you got asthma. You got people in there with asthma. You got elderly folks that's in there. Because that's usually who are very vulnerable to extreme heat. is elderly people and people with asthma. This is this is a clear human rights violation. So I'm going to share the article that was shared with me. Um, this article was written by a prisoner inside of the Texas prison. Comrade Malik is what he goes by. And this is posted to isgoingdown.org. Going, isgoingdown.org. Deadly extreme heat and deliberate indifference inside Texas prisons. The culture of neglect and abuse continues. Incarcerated Worker Organizing Committee, IWOC, organizer and writer, Comrade Malik reports on the continued situation facing Texas prisoners of overheating. So again, just going, I just want to make a quick note. This woman 
who is a former prison slave who is now being featured in mainstream corporate uh, uh, news outlets and is also uh, being given grants by different nonprofit organizations sitting up there talking about, hey, nobody's calling this slavery, but activists on the outside. No, that's a doggone lie. This, this work strike coming up was organized by people on the inside, the prison slaves themselves. So he, he writes, Comrade Malik writes, um, excuse me. Plaintiffs allege that sweltering temperatures inside buildings where TDCJ houses inmates, including the Wallace Park Pack unit, I'm sorry, Wallace Pack unit, have caused at least 12 prisoners in the Texas prison system to die from heat stroke and hundreds more prisoners to suffer from heat-related illnesses since 2011. They, the plaintiffs, allege that defendants TDCJ, that's the Texas Department of Corrections and Justice, I presume, have done nothing, have done nothing, have done nothing to lower the temperatures inside the housing areas. They asked the court to remedy ongoing violations of the law and the Constitution by granting a declaratory and injunctive relief as set out in the complaint on behalf of plans. I'm going to have to pass this on um, to uh, Miss Kim Melikon because she was asking me, and I actually put her, I told her to get in touch with uh, IWOC as she was looking for, you know, different organizations. I also pointed her to the ACLU, and she told me today that her um, son's attorney told her to do the same thing, to contact the Mississippi chapter of the state chapter of the ACLU, and you need to file a lawsuit because these are human rights violations, constitutional violations, and what have you, all right? So come at it from many different angles, all right? Um, but definitely from the human rights angle. So apparently these prisoners in in um, Texas have filed a lawsuit. So let me get back to that. They said um, the complaint on behalf of plaintiffs and the class and to permanently enjoin defendants to abate the risk of serious harm described above by taking steps, including but not limited to maintaining a heat index of 88 degrees or lower inside the packed units housing area. Hell, I would have said 70 degrees, you know, room temperature, 88 degrees in a room is still hot, man. That's that's hot. But I, I digress. Excerpt from memorandum and order of federal judge Keith P. Ellison in civil action number four, um, 14 dash CV dash 1698 Keith Cole et al. plaintiffs versus Brad Livingston et al. defendants, United States District Court, um, SD Texas, Houston Division, June 14, 2016. It says a settlement has been reached in the PAC unit lawsuit and air conditioning will be installed temporarily during the summer months until the Texas legislature allocates funding for the installment of permanent AC units. Okay, so um, it goes on to detail a whole lot more 
that I don't have time to get into. But again, these articles are posted on my BTR News profile inside of btrcommunity.com. So I definitely will pass this article on to Kim. Um, and, and Kim was telling me today, you know, it's quite sad. And I had mentioned to her that, you know, these guards also have to work in that extreme heat. You would think that the prison, the prison guard union would be advocating for these guards not to be, you know, forced to work under such conditions. Not that I feel sorry for anyone that's a prison plantation guard, but, you know, just trying to get help from the prisoner. We got to use every tactic every strategy, whatever, what by any means necessary. But I mentioned to her, but she, you know, why haven't the guards said anything about being forced to work in this extreme heat? And she said that they're scared. They're scared of their supervisors. They're scared of the warden and what have you. And they're not saying anything. And she, you know, just noticed the culture of fear within that prison, not just by the guards, but even the visitors. I'm going to have to get her on for an interview. Um, I don't know if I'll do it live, but I might do a pre-recorded podcast and because uh, I, I would love to uh, disseminate the information she shared with me today. Lots of information, lots of things to consider, you know, but a lot of people are scared, including the family members, scared to say something. But Kim said, I ain't scared. And I let them know I am not the one to F with. Okay, so they know who they can mess with and who they can't mess with. These are predators. All right, so let me move on. I think that is it for the stories that I wanted to share um, in terms of uh, what's in the news. But we're going to take a station identification break and a music break. And then when we come back on the other side, we will jump into our main topic, which is the left's asinine defense of Alex Jones, a bigoted right-wing entertainer. I have several articles um, about this. They did not just up and ban Alex Jones out of the blue. All right, I found articles dating to earlier this year, back in February, and I've gotten strikes. I've gotten one strike on YouTube. I, my account is in good standing right now because this happened years ago. But all I did was take a clip, a video clip of Barack Obama speaking about slavery and human trafficking at a Clinton Global Initiative event in another country. No mention of legalized slavery and human trafficking here in the United States via the 13th Amendment. He's talking about the stuff that's already illegal. So I used that clip. I only played like two minutes of his comments. His speech was much longer than that. And then I played that, and then I gave my commentary. Do you know that the Clinton Global Initiative came after me on YouTube? I talked about this in the past, and I got banned off of YouTube for for three days, I couldn't stream on YouTube because I use Clinton Global Initiative content in a manner 
they, they didn't want me using it in. So, of course, they complained to YouTube. And this was, I only had one strike. That was my first and only offense since the, since 2008, since I've been on YouTube since 2008. Okay. And they banned, and they banned me for three days. So, but the only way people would know that you have strikes, they give you three strikes and then you're out. Okay. The only way that they would know that you got a strike, that Alex Jones had two strikes against him in February, was because Alex Jones told them. They don't make that public. YouTube don't go issuing the news release saying who all's been, you know, flagged on YouTube and all that. No, it's in the back end of the creator's, you know, section. And what have they let you know? You got to, you're either in good standing or, you know, here are some other issues. They didn't just ban. Alex Jones overnight. The community has been complaining and flagging his videos for hate speech. They investigate and they confirmed if the complaint is substantiated and then they issued a strike. Okay. Again, I was banned with only one strike. With only one strike. for, for Because I'm sure the Clintons with their influence, uh, got some pull with Google and YouTube, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I think happened there. But anyway, I have a bunch of articles that are, I'm going to give you the facts because there's a lot of disinformation. And a lot of the disinformation is coming from Alex Jones and his cohorts themselves. Like today, he going to tweet out talking about the Chinese are, are preventing, uh, uh, Apple from emitting the uh, new Alex Jones or Infowars app in their store. The China, the communists are coming after me and all. Man, if y'all believe that crap, if y'all believe that, then I, I guess I got a couple of bridges that I sell you for a million dollars, and you can make your money back by charging tolls for people to cross the bridge. All right. So I, I just want to get the facts around this, and I just want to talk about how much sense does it make for people on the left and and Black Agenda Report, man. I was surprised that y'all would defend this dude. And that's what you're doing. You could claim you're not defending him, but you're defending free speech rights. Well, he don't have no free speech rights on a private platform. He don't have no free speech light rights. And he don't, you know, and, and then they allow him to do this for years. So when finally he gets banned, what sense do it make for victims of racism and white supremacy, victims of his, to then be saying, oh, y'all shouldn't have done that to Alex. We would, you know, we free speech, free speech, free, free, what? No, no. It makes no sense. That is a poor war strategy. And maybe you don't realize we fighting in the war. But he certainly does. But it is a poor war strategy for you to come to the aid of your enemy in any regard. Don't say nothing at all, even if you don't agree with it. So we'll, we'll get into uh, some of that. All right. So you're listening to Black Talk Radio News on the Black Talk Radio Network. Please continue to support the production of independent black media. Make a donation today to the North Carolina-based nonprofit 
Black Talk Media Project. Stay tuned. We'll be back on the other side of this short music break. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Black Talk Radio, since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. And welcome back to Black Talk Radio News. Scotty Reed sitting in behind these enemy lines of USA Inc. So let's jump into the main topic if you would like to contribute uh, to the dialogue, or it's cool if you just want to listen to my commentary. Um, but you can give us a call at 704-802-5056. That's 704-802-5056. Hit star, star two, unmute yourself. So let, let's get some background first here. So this has been dominating the social media feeds. It's also been a topic that has been discussed in the mainstream media, but Facebook banned Alex Jones, and he had more than one pages. He had a whole bunch of pages, similar to how I got a bunch of pages. You know, we got New Abolitionist Radio. We got Black Talk Radio Network. I got Watch a Cop. I got uh, Political Prisoner Radio, which is a program that's no longer on air that I wish I could bring back if I could find another host for that because I I lost the host for that one. Um, But anyway... He had a bunch of pages on Facebook and they banned all of those pages and they banned his personal account for repeated violations uh, after users were flagging him for promoting violence, for promoting hate speech and what have you. Um, Spotify removed. Now I'm getting conflicting information on Spotify, but Spotify, the first information I had was that they just removed some of the flagged uh, podcasts that were being distributed through their platform. Um, then I read a differing account that said, hey, they just removed it all together. Uh, Apple's iTunes uh, delisted him. And as I mentioned before the break, now he's on Twitter complaining about the Chinese are the ones who are behind Apple not um, accepting his app for uh, InfoWars or something else. Like he created a new app after they kicked him off the first time. I don't know. I don't know the details on that. But he's claiming chi- the Chinese, you know. So I guess he's going to take a, a, a book, a page out of Hillary Clinton's book and a, a corporate Democrats book and say, hey, the Russians is why Hillary Clinton. So now he's saying, hey, the Chinese is why they won't allow me to post content to Apple. Y'all, if y'all believe that, and I'm sure he has no proof to offer whatsoever. He again, this man does not put out. Let me restate. Let me state this properly, because believe it or not, I was once a paying subscriber of Prison Planet. This was before Infowars. Infowars came up shortly after. This was back in 1999. Alex Jones was not the character or playing the character that he's playing today. He was sharing constructive information 
about some of these, I would say, shadow government organizations. They're really like called think tanks and what have you. I've talked about them. Project for a New American Century, which argued in a white paper that they sent to President Clinton, where they were talking about developing biological weapons that can target people based on ethnicity, based off of a genetic you know, uh, a genetic trait and stuff. And it was signed by very prominent, prominent, uh, neocons, you know, people that worked in the government. Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, uh, in the media side, William Crystal, it was a whole list of them. All right. So he did share what was the one back then that he told me about. And actually, me and Max recently were was discussing it's called uh man it's out there it's out there in california it's a private club it's the grove something the grove i can't think of the other name man we were just reading about it um and listening to the nixon tapes there you know some of these nixon tapes have been released uh by the under the trump administration and nobody's really going through them So we was going through them and they were talking about this particular secret organization where you have all the top media CEOs, politicians and all of that, you know, having these strange ceremonies where they burn an effigy of a human being and what have you. And Alex Jones has snuck out there. This was back in 1999. And then, you know, his his sidekick buddy, Paul Joseph Watson, I even purchased his book. I can't remember the book right now, but he was talking about how the Israelis really funded Hamas as a way, which today, you know, people think they're arch enemies and they probably are, but that the Israelis funded Hamas as a way to get rid of or to provide competition to the PLO, which was under uh, Yasser Arafat at the time. Very, very constructive information, verifiable information. Uh, that they were putting out back then. That is not the case today. T- today, they are putting out white not nationalist propaganda, particularly Paul Joseph Watson. I-, I can't remember the name of his book. And it was a very good book that I purchased in PDF form uh, back in 1999, 2000, around that time. But now, all he does is put out racist derogatory information about Black Lives Matter and other black people and and what have you and just being basically open about their racism. They, you know, they probably were still racist back then, but they were being very codified. So anyway, they're being banned and I came across an article that even a porn website, apparently somebody was posting Alex Jones videos to uh, a porn website called YouPorn. And even you porn <laughs> took his content down saying that we have standards against hate speech and what have you. So Twitter is the last bastion of the suspected racist. I don't even know if it's suspected. I think we might can confirm that he's a racist. But anyway, Twitter is the last bastion of racist, so to speak. They claim he has not violated their terms of service. So that's the backdrop. Now we have people on the left, and I'm going to call some names out. I subscribe to their channels. I was listening to Jimmy Dore the other day. I'm subscribed to his YouTube channel. Him and um, Steph, 
that's his wife um, and the other guy Rob Placone I think it's his name sitting up there defending Alex Jones under the guise of hey we have to protect free speech because then they can come after us Alex Jones has a right to spread you know his garbage I'm paraphrasing what they were saying has a right to spread their garbage and if we don't stand up for him then they can come after us and what have you then another guy who I, I think is pretty spot on in his political commentary and analysis, Jamal Thomas. I even share, you know, his videos on Black Talk Radio Network. I help him distribute his videos. Even he was on there saying the same type of reactionary BS about, oh, this is about freedom of speech, and if we don't stand up for the speech that we don't like, then... You know, what's to stop them from coming after us? All right. Well, and then Black Agenda Report. Now I've seen two articles, one from Glenn Ford, one from, uh, what's her name? Kimberly something. I got the article. But I before I came on air, I seen Glenn Ford tweeted one out uh, with a headline that suggests that, you know, he's defending uh, the purge of Alex Jones from these social media platforms and what have you. And I'm like this, look, if you're not engaging in hateful, bigoted, racist content, if you're not using dehumanizing language to refer to this or that group, then what you concerned about? As far as I know, for as many years as I've been reading Black Agenda Report and listening to their podcast, I have never heard them use derogatory language towards any group of people. Never heard them engage in it. Never heard them tell people to run over people, run over protesters like Alex Jones did one time because we played the video on New Abolitionist Radio because they had Max so angry. When the NRA put out a video, Max uh, um, Alex Jones put out a video talking about the NRA video and basically telling people, hey, just run them over and whatnot, pushing violence. Okay, now he's facing a lawsuit because he has been causing the victims of Sandy Hook and, and his worst contribution to society, and I even see this popping up in the black community, is conspiracy-minded. That you just believe everything is a freaking conspiracy and yet you don't have any evidence. We know the government does bad things. We know the government engages in false flags. But we know that because there's evidence of it. Like the Gulf of Tonkin and, and other such, you know, information that has come. We usually don't get the evidence till after, you know, the fact decades later or whatnot. But it's because we had evidence. You were saying that Adam Lanza was, was, wasn't real, that Sandy Hook was staged and all this and that, and saying that these people don't even have children and they use crisis actors and then your idiot followers are stalking these people. These people had to move. They had to move cause they were being stalked by Alex Jones's 
crazy bunch of non-critically thinking conspiracy theorists and what have you, causing real world harm to these people. And they have filed a lawsuit against them, which I was listening to this lady, this law professor in a video that Otis shared in BTR community the other day, where she was saying it's most likely that they will win that lawsuit because of the fake information that Alice Jones put out about them and what have you, and call, and they were physically harassed by these people, and what have you. So, if you're not engaged in that type of thing, why are you trying to conflate the issues? Why are you paranoid about they're going to come after you? Margaret Kimberly, that's her name, that wrote the Black Agenda Report article, she, she mentioned the fact, and this wasn't Facebook, this wasn't any other social media platforms, it was some un, unnamed, unsourced uh, uh, group that the Washington Post published a bunch of names of different organizations, news outlets, and Black Agenda Report was mentioned as being Russian under the influence of Russia and what have you. So they, they mentioned that. That's apples and oranges. Facebook did not ban you. Twitter didn't ban you. I don't know if y'all got a YouTube account, but you weren't banned. The uh, LibSync, which you distribute your podcast through, never banned you. So if you don't engage in that kind of hateful, violent rhetoric, which is bringing real world harm to people, why, why would you be concerned about you being banned? Not to mention, we have been being banned for stuff that ain't even legitimate as some some of this uh, articles that I'm going to share document but we got a caller on the line I want to go to the caller before I get into some of these articles area code 662 you're on black talk radio news with Scotty Reed give us your name go ahead with your question or comment 662 you're unmuted Okay, per, perhaps you unmuted yourself by accident. Uh, if you do want to comment, then just uh, unmute yourself, hit star star on our board, and uh, we will. I will get to you. All right, let me pull up some of these articles again. This did, and then okay, I'm gonna start with this one first. And I tweeted at Alex Jones and Paul Joseph Watson, um, who manages the Prison Planet account on Twitter. And I tweeted at them, and I was like, remember y'all was talking about Colin Kaepernick? Because as I was pulling up articles for today's program, I came across this one on Infowars.com video. F. Colin Kaepernick. This is not about free speech. And it was posted by Paul Joseph Watson. It's a five-minute video of them going on a diatribe against Colin Kaepernick. This is what was written in the description. I'm not going to play the video. If you think the Colin Kaepernick controversy is about the issue of free speech, then you're an idiot. The issue is this. Why does the left only rush to defend someone's right to free speech when they're using it to trash America? Kind of nationalistic, googly-got garbage is this. Again, I started following Alex Jones. I was a paying subscriber. It was $56 a year, $56 a year. 
more than what we charge people the fee that we ask for from people to access our social media platform, btrcommunity.com. I was paying this guy $56 a year. I had the I had the subscription for two years because he started going off the rails. And I was like, I can't, I, you know, I, I didn't know they was going in this direction and whatnot. I started picking up on subtle racism and whatnot. Now, I'm not going to give my money to a racist. So I ended my subscription. But back then, the way they rage against the globalists, the way they talk about, you know, these secret societies that's in control of government and all this and that, and, and talk about even the United States government doing false flags and all of this and that, then why, why, all of a sudden, when Donald Trump is elected, now you're the biggest patriots on the planet. Oh, now you want people to participate in this nationalistic bootlicking ritual and force these NFL players to stand at attention. That's basically what it is, is standing at attention as if they're in the military or something and give reference to the slaver's flag. It don't make no sense. It is not being consistent. But to his point, that is why I'm sitting up here wondering why Tom, uh, Mr. Thomas, Mr. Dore, Miss Kimberly, and Mr. Ford is coming to the defense of these pieces of you-know-what when they definitely would not be coming to your defense if you were banned. In fact, they want you to be banned. Because it's a war. That's what Alex Jones has said for years. It's a war on for your mind. He talks about things as if we're fighting a war. Okay? So tell me what war college is teaching you to stand up for your enemy's right to disseminate information. But to their... Want to try? I, I, I don't want to get emotional. You're looking pretty damn foolish defending this guy. And then they're saying that you would never defend him because you you consider yourself on the left. And he's saying, why does the left only rush to defend someone's right to free speech when they're using it to trash America? So here they are being a bunch of hypocrites were very, very vocal in disseminating very disingenuous, hateful propaganda at Colin Kaepernick because he would he he exercised his free speech rights to not stand for the slavers anthem and take a knee. And yes, it's the slavers anthem. A slaver wrote it, didn't he? So yes, that's why I call it the slavers anthem. And just cause they removed the bars where he was picking at the black people for getting killed during the war 1812 they still the slavers anthem and Colin Kaepernick educated y'all on that so why are you standing up for your enemy when your enemy has clearly attacked you all day long the Black Agenda report was to get banned from Facebook today. You think Alex Jones would be on 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 his channel saying, hey, I may not agree with Glenn Ford. I may not agree with Margaret Kimberly. But, um, you know, I think they have a right to say what they have to say. 
No, he wouldn't. So why are you? It makes absolutely no logical sense whatsoever. That's that first article. Now, I told y'all, this did not happen overnight. That's something uh, Paul Joseph Watson is putting out, okay, without context. He's saying it was a coordinated uh, uh, event by these companies. No proof whatsoever. Hey, they all banned us within 48 hours. Oh, it must have been a coordinated conspiracy. But as someone else pointed out, with more rational thought process said that he has millions of followers and they were scared of his followers because they're capitalists, right? They're capitalists. So they worried about hurting, you know, their ability to bring all these millions of people to their platform and ethics be damned. Their own terms of service be damned. But apparently something has changed. I think what's changed is now you got Donald Trump uh, you know, just being blatantly racist and you got this so-called resistance, they are now more cognizant that, hey, people are not tolerating racism like they were just, hell, during Barack Obama's administration, you know? So, so they said once one of them did it, then that gave the others the political cover to do it as well, okay? So, but anyway... This didn't happen overnight. This comes to you from a conservative outlet, the WashingtonTimes.com. It was published February 27th in 2018, this year. It was written by Victor Morton. This did not happen overnight. He worked his way up to getting banned on YouTube. Says Alex Jones Infowars sites. Okay, the article's still trying to load. Y'all give me a moment. It says Alex Jones Infowars site now has two strikes against it from YouTube over his videos on the Florida school shooting and the next violation will lead to a permanent ban. As it is, InfoWars will not be able to upload any new videos to YouTube for two weeks. I guess that's what the ban is on your second strike. I guess on my first strike, that's why I only got three days. Even though I was not spewing racist, hateful, bigoted rhetoric or spreading conspiracy theories. I was talking about the conspiracy fact that we got these politicians that's giving lip service to slavery and human trafficking while doing nothing about the slavery and human trafficking in their own countries, you know. Um, So that's what happened. It says the two strikes in question came over videos that charged that shooting survivor David Hogg was a crisis actor and not a real student at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. And, and and I tell you, man, so many people, and I know when I hear some black people talking, that's where y'all getting y'all information from. Because you use the same terms that they use, not realizing you're getting your information from a crisis actor. That's all Alex Jones is. He admitted to it. In his divorce. He's an entertainer. All right. The videos are titled, Who is to Blame for the Florida Shooting? And 
the truth about crisis actors in the Florida shooting. Both are available at the InfoWars site and can also be accessed through other portals such as Twitter and Facebook. According to YouTube's warning statement, and again, only way Washington Times got this information was from Alex Jones. They don't tell you when somebody gets a strike. They don't tell you that. They tell the account holder, hey, your video was flagged by some of our users. We investigated we found you to be in violation of our terms and service. Strike one. Strike two. Third strike. You're out. You're out. This didn't just happen overnight. It's what I'm trying to tell people. Don't believe the hype or the propaganda. All right. According to YouTube's uh, warn- warning statement, those videos violate the site's terms of use as bullying or intimidation. There's a fine line between passionate debate and personal attacks, YouTube's notification stated. As our community guidelines outline, YouTube is not a platform for things like predatory behavior, stalking, threats, harassment, bullying, or intimidation. And that's all the man does. That's why he's so popular with a certain segment of the population. Because they're bullies too. On Twitter, uh, let me see. On Twitter, Mr. Jones noted that Mr. Hogg had called him a a crap journalist insisted, and insisted that he never attacked anyone. Well, you sitting up here saying that this dude, first of all, is a crisis actor and was never a student, which is has been verified that he is a student. Come on, y'all. And you're causing all your non-critically thinking lemmings to follow you in attacking this guy and harassing this guy on the street, on social media, and what have you. So, this didn't happen overnight. YouTube didn't just up and ban him. Users flag content that violate terms of, uh, terms of service. YouTube don't got people... Uh, they're just going through videos all day looking for violations. No, they rely on the community to flag the stuff. Then they do an investigate. Same thing on Facebook. And again, I, I wasn't banned on Facebook last week or two weeks ago, but they removed my post. What did I say? What, what did they determine to be hate speech? They said, I said, I'm glad Donald Trump is banning immigrants from serving in the U.S. military. I hope he targets black people next so that black people will not be in the military spreading uh, global white supremacy. Okay? Somebody, some, some hater flagged it, said I was engaging in hateful rhetoric. YouTube informed me. I appealed. They said somebody will get back to me. Two days later, they said that we found that you were in violation and they removed the post. They they didn't ban me or anything, you know, but they they removed the post, said I was in violation of their terms of service. Now, is that anything like what Alex Jones be saying? Did I target, in, in, you know, well, I guess they saying I'm targeting black people or I'm targeting um immigrants or whatnot and hoping that they get kicked out of the U.S. military or get banned from the U.S. military so they'll quit fighting 
white uh, wars for white supremacists, a white supremacist government. They don't care nothing about them. Okay? And again, I'm a veteran. <laughs> I'm a veteran. All right? But, hey, I, they, they removed the post. I ain't make no big stink about it. I just told people, hey, they saying this is hate speech. I didn't tell you to boycott. I ain't go whining and complaining. I didn't say, oh, Facebook censored me and all that. Because you know what? I wouldn't care. That's why we created btrcommunity.com, right? Right? As a platform creator, I recognize I have a right not to allow certain content to be disseminated on our platforms. Because guess what? We're a nonprofit. We're not just some dude on the internet. I'm not just some dude on the internet. The people who work with us are, are not just individuals. This is a nonprofit platform. I'm not trying to lose my nonprofit status. Nor am I going to give a place to my alpha deniers, transatlantic slavery deniers, who don't consider themselves black, but call themselves copper-colored people, aboriginal Americans, and saying that black people are foolish for identifying with Africans because we don't have no connection, no genetic connection to Africa whatsoever. Yeah, there, there's they, y'all remember Melanated Roots? They're no longer on this this uh, network, are they? Now I, I told I told they came in sneaky. I didn't know that they were these so-called copper-colored Aboriginals and was going to engage in that type of ideology, this anti-black, anti-African ideology, because they was using Marky, Marcus Garvey image for their profile pic. Talking about, you know, man that don't know his roots, don't know where he come from, is lost. I don't remember the exact quote. Well, why would you do that when Marcus Garvey unapologetically identified as an African? And then he wasn't even from America. He was from Jamaica. So why are you using a man who identified, a Jamaican man who identifies with his African roots, was known for that, as your profile image because you were trying to sneak in you was trying to make me think and the rest of us think that you was one of us this is black talk radio this isn't copper colored radio this isn't aboriginal radio this is black talk radio we identify as black and we may identify as African American but you think I'm going to allow you to come on my station that I set up and get to spew that anti-black, anti-African BS conspiracy crap? No. That's an insult to our listening audience who tune in because it said black talk radio. I was looking for some black. You know how many times people have contacted me and said, Hey, I was looking for a black network, a black radio program, and I just put in black people or black radio and black talk radio network came up. Okay. They weren't looking for copper colored radio. They weren't looking for aboriginal radio. They wasn't looking to be told that they have no connection to Africa and the transatlantic slave trade was a hoax. No. 
So as a platform manager, I reserve that right. I don't work for the U.S. government. We don't even take government funds. We did one time, and that was to promote the census. The U.S. Census in 2010 got a $5,000 grant, and it didn't come directly from the U.S. government, but another nonprofit got a, a, a grant from the U.S. government to spread awareness about the census, and they issued a bunch of mini-grants. It was a, it's an organization here in North Carolina. And I had done work with them in the past, and they let me know, and I applied for the grant, and they gave me $5,000. And all I had to do was run media advertisement and create a couple of videos telling people to take part in the census, which I think is important anyway, because that's how you get uh, your federal tax dollars redirected back to your community. That's based on the census, among other things. So I was going to do it anyway, all right? So so I just want to issue that I indirectly took some government money. But I don't work for the U.S. government. The U.S. government ain't control of us. And I am not beholden to your First Amendment rights. Because if you read the First Amendment, it says Congress shall make no laws intruding upon freedom of speech or freedom of expression or freedom of religion. I'm not Congress. I'm not even a Congress person. So I don't have to adhere to that. Okay? So even though we know that Facebook, especially Mark Zuckerberg, are suspected racist, white supremacists and have allowed this racist content and have even targeted black people. Just because all of a sudden, for whatever reason, they want to take down Alex Jones is not a reason for me to be coming on air or using my platform to advocate for this man. Again, what war college do they teach you to advocate for your enemy's ability to disseminate propaganda? Because propaganda is part of warfare. State Department, I remember seeing a video of Hillary Clinton requesting billions more of dollars from Congress for their propaganda networks in Europe, Radio Free Europe, um, Voice of America, they have propaganda media outlets too. There's a new one that I noticed shows up in the Google News feed. These are propaganda outlets funded by the U.S. government. So I'm not, I'm not going to use my resources to advocate for my enemy. It don't make no sense. take him down by any means necessary. Do y'all not understand the power of media? Malcolm X said the media is the most powerful entity on the face of the planet. It controls the minds of the masses. It can make the innocent look guilty and make the guilty look innocent. What does Alex Jones do but make these guilty racist terrorists look like they innocent? That's what he's doing. Make Trump look like he the victim. Standing up for the rights of racist terrorists to have public protests in the town square and whatnot. Y'all don't must not understand the power of media. I fully understand it as soon as Malcolm X, I heard him say it in the video. Thus, why we have Black Talk Media Project. Why we have a mission to establish independent media centers in various communities across across the nation. Nowhere close to that goal. You know why? 
because these white supremacists, nonprofits, U.S. government, it's not going to fund that. It's not going to fund that. So if the people don't fund it, it's not going to get done. But that's the mission. That's the vision. I do as much as I can with the few resources that we have. Now, let's talk about why he was banned because people will, again, if I go on Twitter, excuse me, not Twitter, Facebook, well, I've never been banned on Twitter, but I've been banned on Facebook um, for a couple of days. I've been banned on YouTube or whatnot. But let's say I went to my Facebook page, Black Talk Radio Network right now, and I said, all white people are devils. They are no good. They are scourge on humanity. And they should be exterminated. I would clearly be in violation of their terms of service. And I would expect them to ban me. Because I'm using, not that I feel that way, because I don't. But if I did, I would be speaking in an uncodified manner and making it easy for the enemy to cripple my dissemination of of information process. This is some of the things that um, was documented by politifact.com under, uh, and it's a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, website, not that that means anything, so I don't know why I mentioned it, but this is what they said. This was written two days ago by Manuela Tobias August the 7th on PolitiFact. Why InfoWars Alex Jones was banned from Apple, Facebook, YouTube, and Spotify. Over the course of 24 hours, most social media giants kicked one of the most infamous conspiracy theory peddlers off their platforms. Alex Jones, the creator of the InfoWars website and multiple talk shows, has had a hand in spreading hoaxes online, including unproven theories that the Sandy Hook massacre was fabricated and that Democrats ran a child abuse ring out of out of a pizzeria. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? A dude from North Carolina actually drove to Washington, D.C., ran up in this pizzeria with an assault rifle and even fired it inside of there. Believe in Alex Jones. That caused real world harm to these people. Because they named a specific business. But that's not why he was banned from from these platforms on August the 5th and 6th. The article goes on to say, Apple was the first to act. It pulled five of InfoWars' six podcasts from the iTunes and podcast apps. Those included War Room and the popular Alex Jones Show podcast, which is hosted daily. Facebook and Spotify follow suit. Facebook unpublished four pages, the Alex Jones channel page, the Alex Jones page, the InfoWars page, and the InfoWars nightly news page. They also suspended Alex Jones' personal account for his role in posting the content. Spotify removed all episodes of the Alex Jones show. So what it's saying is Apple didn't even remove all their podcasts. Now, this is the conflicting information because I heard I had heard previously that Spotify only removed 
uh, podcast that had been flagged for hate speech or or some other type of uh, violation. What sparked their removal? The ideal is similar throughout. Jones violated the social media platform's hate speech policies. Facebook defines hate speech as a direct attack on people based on what we call protected characteristics, race, ethnicity, national origin, religious affiliation, sexual orientation, caste, sex, gender, gender identity, and serious disease or disability. Alice Jones has attacked people and has used dehumanizing language in reference to these people. We also provide some protections for immigration status. We define attack as violent or dehumanizing speech, statements of inferiority or cause for exclusion or segregation. So I guess that's why they, they removed my post because I was calling for immigrants and black people to be excluded from the U.S. military because I don't think that they should be engaged in fighting wars for a racist, white supremacist nation that's practicing slavery. That's the only logical thing I could come up with or why they said I violated it. And they, they removed the post. So what? Big deal. I ain't crying about it. YouTube has a similar definition. Apple does not define hate, but writes that content may be removed or rejected if it could be construed as racist, misogynistic, or homophobic, or depicts hate themes. Apple told BuzzFeed News, Apple does not tolerate hate speech, and we have clear guidelines that creators and developers must follow to ensure we provide a safe environment for all of our users. Podcasts that violate these guidelines are removed from our directory, making them no longer searchable or available for download or streaming. And see, again, see, we distribute many different shows over the years through podcasts as well as we have a, a app. Well, we used to have a live radio stream app in iTunes, but I killed it because they have a requirement that you have to stream at 128 kilobytes, and everybody don't have 120 by kilobytes internet service. They may only have, you know, a lower uh, a, um, a lower kilobytes uh, per second is what I meant to say. And 64 is CD quality, and I want as many people as possible. Uh, regardless of their internet service capabilities to be able to listen. So we don't have a live uh, radio stream on iTunes anymore, but we do have one of the app that is in, um, uh, what is it? Um, Ah, man, I'm forgetting the name of it. Uh, It's not iTunes, it's uh, TuneIn, TuneIn app. This is why I tell people, and it's often behind the scenes, look, I ain't trying to tell you, what you should feel, how you should feel, but you got to watch your language because we're not trying to get our stuff removed. We're trying to reach as many people as possible and we're not looking to violate terms of service. So be codified in your language. Is that too much to ask that we be codified? Okay. And not give people the ammunition they need to take us down. Okay, so Facebook, let me see. 
Facebook released a detailed press statement on the matter. Facebook said they recently removed four videos from Alex Jones' pages as they violated their hate speech and bullying policies. Since then, they have been notified of more content from his pages that glorified violence and used dehumanizing language to describe people who are transgender, Muslim, and immigrants, which violates our hate speech policy. So again, Facebook is trying to make as much profit as possible. So that's why they're even working on AI bots so that they can lay off some of their human workers. But they don't have the staff to go through all the content that's posted. These are users who are flagging this stuff. Just like the people who flagged my stuff on Facebook and had my posts removed. Okay? These are users. It's not Facebook. It's users. And then they do a little investigation like I described to you earlier. And if they can substantiate the complaint, then they take action. This man is not a victim. He's been victimizing people. He's not a victim. And it makes no sense for anyone to be standing up for his supposed right because he don't have a right on a private platform to say whatever he wants to say. That right exists in your mind only. These are not government platforms. Congress doesn't run Facebook. They may, some of the intelligence agencies may work with Facebook to spy on you and they do have gotten Palestinian activists at the behest of the Israeli government kicked off not for hate speech, but because of being, uh, because they were speaking out against the hateful, racist, genocidal policies of Israel. And Mark Zuckerberg, a suspected Zionist, obliged and kicked those activists out, off. They've done it to Kurds. They've done it to people in Turkey. Okay? Alice Jones is the last person you should be concerned about being kicked off of these platforms. He is your enemy. You never advocate for your enemy for anything. So, I think that's enough that I'll share right there. Let me see. They talk about Spotify. Let me see. YouTube removed InfoWars channels as well, including the most popular, the Alice Jones channel, which had 2.4 million subscribers. In response to our query about Jones removal, a YouTube spokesperson said the accounts are terminated for users who repeatedly violate their policies against hate speech and harassment or our terms prohibiting circumvention of our enforcement measures. Again, I, I've been a victim of this. Didn't nobody make no big stink about it. And I wasn't even engaged in hate speech or harassing anybody. All I did was use a portion of a Clinton Global Initiative video of, of Barack Obama giving a speech on slavery and human trafficking and then giving commentary on I wish Mr. Obama was as concerned about the 13th Amendment, which legalizes slavery and the Clinton, go, the Clintons pulled some strings and got me banned for three days. I didn't hear nobody. And I, and I said this and I said it on air and I posted it to my other social media accounts. I ain't seen nobody coming to my damn defense. 
So why y'all coming to the defense of this hateful, racist terrorist? Spotify struck the Alex Jones show from his podcast library due to repeated violations of Spotify's prohibited content policies. Spotify's hate policy bans content that expressly and principally promotes, advocates, or incites hatred or violence against a group or individuals based on characteristics. I'll leave it there. Again, all these articles are posted in my stream. Um, on btrcommunity.com for today's show. All right. I'll mention this. Now, even you, porn, has banned Alex Jones, but he's still on Twitter. Let me pull up this. This comes to you from TechCrunch. He's been banned by a porno site. Streaming adult video site, YouPorn, which plays on YouTube because users can get an account and upload their own videos, announced today that it was ban- it has banned Alex Jones from his platform following actions against the conspiracy monger by tech companies including Apple, Facebook, YouTube, and Spotify, but notably not Twitter. Before you go WTF, there were indeed non-porn videos with Alex Jones in them on YouPorn. People often take advantage of relatively lax copyright policing on various porn sites to upload non-pornographic content. YouPorn said it also removes spoof videos of Jones and will not allow him to host any content on the platform moving forward. It's easy to dismiss YouPorn ban as a publicity grab, but it underscores the fact that Twitter's lack of action is increasingly notable, even though last December it said it would take a harder stance against hate speech. Alex Jones's verified Twitter profile with 838,000 followers is still up. One of his recent tweets complains about being banned on the internet. He ain't banned on the internet. Infowars.com is still up. Prison Planet is still up. Who knows how many other websites he So he ain't been banned from the internet. In a statement, YouPorn Vice President Charlie Hughes said, following news that YouTube, Spotify, and Facebook have banned Alex Jones from the platforms, Team YouPorn is joining in solidarity and announces we are banning his content as well. As one of the largest user-generated content platforms in the world, we have already removed his videos that have violated our terms of service. As an inclusive platform, hate has no place on on YouPorn. Okay. Wow. Now, last article before I wrap up the program. Otis um, shared this one with me. It's a Huffington Post article. And I think the woman is, is exactly right. She's making some of the same points that I have been making. Um I'm not even going to read this Black Agenda report because I basically already described it to you. And again, Black Agenda, if you're not engaging in the same sort of activity as Alex Jones, then don't worry about yourself being banned. Long as you adhere to the terms of service and not use dehumanizing language to refer to people, which I have never known you to, what you worried about it for? And it makes no sense 
to be advocating for this guy, talking about, oh, they might come after me. Well, they coming after you anyway, ain't they? They coming after us anyway, aren't they? Not me personally, but as this woman posting this article, she knows how this one black woman uh, who just documented her road trip with her children and stopping in a restaurant called a Cracker Barrel and just the racism that she experienced. And she wrote about it on Facebook and they banned her. They banned her. You're going to advocate for somebody, advocate for people like her, not for a racist terrorist. After app, this comes to you from Huffington Post. It's an opinion piece published today around noon. Uh, Alex Jones' free speech shouldn't be your primary concern. It was written by Anoa Changa who is a guest writer. After Apple, YouTube, Facebook, and other companies removed or banned some of Alex Jones and InfoWars content this week, both conservatives and many well-meaning progressives popped up to say that allowing these companies to define certain speech as hateful or unacceptable is a dangerous precedent and a potentially slippery slope. How is it a precedent? It might be a precedent in that, hey, they finally banned a white supremacist because they're being banning people. So there's no precedence. As private companies, these platforms have no legal obligation to give Jones a platform. Yet, if we value freedom of speech as a broader value in our society, these claims are not without their merits. We have seen these platforms use their terms of service or community guidelines to stifle discourse and minimize the ability of people to organize and engage around pertinent issues. However, I can't say this strongly enough. Jones is not the heel any free speech advocate shall want to die on. In a purely academic conversation, protecting free speech, regardless of content, seems to make sense, but free speech absolutism ignores the fact that in reality, speech is not supported equally across all topics and platforms for everyone. This lends fails to consider the actual power dynamics at play and how society works in favor and support of those who uphold white supremacy and white fragility. Often free speech concerns arise as with Jones in the context of those who want the freedom to express viewpoints that are not merely odious or unpopular, but are also directly tied to the dehumanization and subjugation of others. Something he does. Through his lawyer. Now, this is for y'all that put so much stock in his conspiracy theories and what he has to say. Through his lawyer, Jones has argued that he is a performance artist, simply playing a character for money. He spends time selling random products and supplements in addition to spewing crazy theories and lies. He has victimized immigrants, Muslims and black Americans with conspiracy theories and misinformation often stoking his followers to harass his targets online and in real life. Okay. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but she's, she's making my same point. This is your enemy. Black left. This is your enemy. This man spews hateful, rhetoric and propaganda against you. He causes his minions to attack you both online and physically. Okay? 
and you want to defend his right. I am not a free speech uh, uh, absolutism advocate. Again, you don't get to come on Black Talk Radio and spread your anti-blackness, anti-Africanist uh, views. You don't get to come on here and spread stupid ass conspiracy theories talking about the transatlantic slave trade never existed because where are the ships? Oh my God. No, you don't get to do that on Black Talk Radio. You don't. And if these other platforms want to finally take some action against a white supremacist who they've been supporting all these years, who am I to say y'all shouldn't do that or this is wrong because they might come after me when they already coming after us. That makes absolutely no sense. Now, this is what she also uh, documented in her article. When ProPublica reported that Facebook's internal guidelines protected white males more than any group, it reaffirmed the experiences of many on the platform as well as those on Twitter who had been suspended for commentary that addressed valid issues but were viewed as targeting white people or as hate speech itself. Last summer, activist and writer Isha Ijeoma Alu was attacked on Twitter and Facebook over her tweets and posts detailing a racist incident while on a road trip with her children. Instead of addressing those who attacked her, Twitter and Facebook took action against her instead. Independent media actors, activists, and even casual users who reflect on structural inequities and engage in dismantling systemic oppressions have often been met with labeling, censorship, and constraints on our expression. And because these companies fear endless accusations of anti-conservative bias, we have consistently seen the highest premium placed on protecting freedom of speech only when the speaker is white and conservative. In those cases, the harassment and civil rights abuses that are rampant across these platforms are the natural result of these decisions are of secondary concern. I'm going to leave it there because I, I need to close out the show. Uh, on Thursdays, after I talk to Gus, we may start carrying workplace racism, which comes on at 8 o'clock on Thursdays since uh, BIB Radio is no longer on air. But, um, you know, I'm sure he wouldn't mind, but I want to ask him, um, as a courtesy uh, before we start streaming it live. But I do want to listen to tonight's program, so I need to wrap it up. Um, check out the context of white supremacy on the Black Talk Radio Network. All right, so um, let me go ahead and wrap this up. All right, so I'm just saying, you may be well-meaning, but you're misguided. We are in a war. Alex Jones knows we're in a war. You seem to not know that we are in a war if you're advocating for his war machine to have full operational capabilities to spew racist hate and propaganda against us. So since ProPublica published their internal guidelines that show that Facebook is racist in its determination of hate speech, maybe that is what influenced them to finally take down one of the biggest racist haters on the platform because they got exposed for coddling racists. And then you think I'm going to complain about them taking him down? No, that's insane. And I'm not going to do it. And I don't think you should either. All right, that concludes my program. I want to thank those who tuned in uh, today. The podcast will be posted later. 
Please continue to support the production of independent media by making a donation to the Black Talk Media Project, which maintains the Black Talk Radio Network, which was created because myself and the context of white supremacy was kicked off of blog talk radio. Okay, even though now they allow us to distribute our content through their platform uh, when we were on their platform doing live shows all those years ago, what, eight years ago, we got kicked off. And that's why we have Black Talk Radio Network, a safe space for black people, not copper colored people, not aboriginals or whatever you want. It's a safe space that was set up for black people. And the only way we can maintain our own safe spaces like Black Talk Radio Network and btrcommunity.com is for you to donate or become a member. With that said, peace and blessings to all. Recognize the fact that we live behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. and conduct yourself accordingly. Be safe.